It's the Bald Leadership Podcast with, uh, I'm Colin Pular with my co-host Cavis Reed. And today we've got, uh, we've got a friend with us, uh, Mr. David Smith. Uh, welcome, David. David is the uh, founder of Logia Consulting um, and uh, provides a, a blend of strategic consulting and has worked at as, a, as, a, as a coach and mentor to uh, literally hundreds of, uh, of leaders in uh, the corporate, uh, not-for-profit sector, uh, really helping them grow in, in their competencies. I've actually worked with David. Uh, full disclosure. So um, really, uh, really great to have him on. Uh, just a bank of experience over uh, 25 plus years. Uh, been an executive himself. Uh, really, uh, it's been is neat in terms of um, helping companies and organizations who are developing current and future leaders. He's also the co-founder of Virtual Leadership Matters, which offers uh, strategic and practical tools to lead successful remote workplaces. So uh, welcome to the show, David. I'm glad to have you. Well, it's great to be here, Colin Cavis. Thank you uh, so much for uh, for welcoming me today. And, and and I'm glad you got the right David. I think after that introduction, uh, I think I think I'm in the right spot. There's, there are a lot of Dave Smiths out there, you know, a lot of them. There's senators, there's soccer players, there's there's criminals, there's there's everything. So uh, I, I think you got the right one. But I tell you, I I, I didn't get my wardrobe right today for bald leadership i'm working in that direction and i do have to say my my father didn't have any hair left in his 20s and my mother was uh white-haired in her early 30s so i'm just doing a little bit okay <laughs> but obviously out of, out of uh costume for today sorry about that guys <laughs> you know dave we're gonna forgive you because at least you're making progress towards it you know other guests they're so rude they come on this show with the hair on <laughs> all you got to do is just keep working towards your goal <laughs> we appreciate your kindness of trying to be like us so thank you very much okay it, it's been wonderful you know i had an opportunity to chat with you a few weeks ago and it was absolutely phenomenal listening to your experiences and how you've helped develop so many leaders uh, not just provincially but nationally and internationally as well and your reach is tremendous. Uh, I just want to ask because I left that meeting marveled by you, the individual. Is it a passion for you? And our leaders have to be genetically built or something that you've developed over time because your resume in terms of building leaders is tremendous. Mm, thank you. Genetic or, or or nurture? Well, that's the the ultimate question. My, my my vote would quickly go go towards nurture, although we can't ignore genetics and the impact it has on us. But uh, I I would say leadership leadership is is uh, is developed over time. A lot of experiments, a lot of trials, a lot of desire, and it starts with really trying to to, to figure out where you want to go. Where do you want to go? Where what is your path? And I have to say. Uh, my path earlier in my career was uh, probably not directed towards anything other than building some type of credibility and some material wealth and some power and that sort of thing. And I did okay around that. But after a couple of decades of clunking around, it became time to figure out really what was my purpose? Why? What, what was I around for in my life? And uh, what, 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 where am I going to um, need to grow and where am I going to need to share some of that growth with other people that uh, more from an altruistic perspective, helping them out after a corporate career of quite a few years, uh, lots of interesting things, uh, some CEO roles and uh, leadership roles as Colin had referenced to, I learned a lot, but I, I also made a lot of mistakes. <laughs> leadership is, is uh Unfortunately, a school of hard knocks and Cavus, I don't, I don't, I have not seen as many hard knocks as you have physically in your career <laughs> from the sidelines, but I, I've seen a lot of hard knocks and sometimes been the purveyor of them, sometimes been the receivers of them. But I, I would say if we're looking at leadership, we have to start with ourselves first. We really need to lead ourselves well before we can lead in our families and our companies and our communities and beyond. Starts with personal leadership. 
Wow. You know, I, I really appreciate you saying that because, you know, a, a big purpose behind uh, why we wanted to have this show uh, was very much to felt that there is a, a, a bit of a, a gap and recognition that uh, as uh, as we are growing as leaders and as there is a need for more leaders in our as we recognize this. And so uh, a number of years back, um, prior to, to you and I meeting, uh, I had... Uh, sat down with somebody who um, I had interviewed for a role, didn't get the role, but I had the opportunity to do a bit of a follow-up and say, you know, what could I do better? And and in the conversation, uh, the gentleman indicated to me that, you know, there's there's a global shortage of leaders. And I I thought, okay, that must mean there's got, there's got to be a lot of jobs out there. <laughs> and so I was very focused on, very much like like you said, looking for, the job and it took me a quite a while to realize that what he was actually telling me is that there is this gap between what we think are leaders and what leadership needs to be and that a lot of us weren't taught how to be leaders uh, a lot of us didn't have um, a lot of the exposures or the mentorship or the or the, or the coaching and guidance to become a more effective leader and uh, and i think in a lot of ways uh, a lot of us, and perhaps through the 80s and early 90s, um, we our interpretation of leadership might have been uh, really just a measurement of, of, of success, material success or um, uh, recognition, those kinds of things. So, uh, you know, we felt it was really important to have these discussions as we both, you know, developing as leaders, a little bit of experience as leaders, but also talking with other people uh, like yourself that um, have been working closely with leaders, been leadership yourself, talk about some of the hard knocks <laughs> and, uh, and also inspire others to who may be thinking, gosh, you know, this is, this might be too hard for me to do, or this may, I, 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 I feel like I'm called to this, but I really don't know where to go next. And so we've been exploring topics from, you know, how to be authentic and can leaders make, can make a lot of mistakes and still lead. Um, and so want to get your perspective on a range of things. Um, and, uh, and so today was really about starting that conversation with you. So I'm really glad you agreed to, uh, be with us today. Uh, yeah. Kavis and I had a, um, a couple conversations. I, I don't want to dive too quickly, too deep in here. Uh, but, uh, but, Generally, the question around was, and, and this falls in the area of mistakes that that we can make, and and um, you know we we've talked about, you know, do we as leaders sometimes recognize or have the awareness of of either biases or uh, things that we do knowingly or unknowingly that can have a, a negative effect on those that, that that we serve because it's one of the first things you step into a role. Uh, you're expected to, people give you a little bit of grace, you're expected to lead, and you kind of think that pe everyone's going to love you, at least for a while, and uh, you go along, and I found it myself being so maybe headlong into something, and not realize, oops, I, uh, uh, I, I may have not recognized that uh, I could be causing some damage, and so I wanted to get you some of your initial thoughts on that. And Kavis, I know you've uh, you've been thinking about this deeply as well. So really interested to to hear, um, you know, what thoughts you might have on an area like this. Well, um, startup businesses. Um, I, I've been through a few and uh, made some mistakes, <laughs> uh, more than a few. Uh, and, and I'd like to share one uh, that that came from from a bias that was uh, really normal and usual in that frame of time and the expectations around it. It was, and I think time has elapsed. Uh, it's probably fifteen years ago, so I can talk about it now a little bit. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> the wound isn't so fresh. <laughs> wound still fresh, and, and unfortunately, and maybe fresh in others too, or, or, or trauma. But you know, I, I was—I uh, wrote a business case many years ago for a, a business, and sold a board on it, and they bought it and said, "Okay, well." Uh, Go ahead, make it happen. And so uh, in uh, show, uh, the capital was available and I had my desk in an office and the need to build a team and build a market penetration. 
in the corporate financial services area. And um, so started to do that and was very focused on building an awesome team around me of very skilled, credentialed people that could make things happen. And, um, and, and most could, not all at the level of uh, the highest levels, but we, uh, we inched along as a team and had some great successes. Um, year one was great. We actually, uh, I think we even had a bottom line, which wasn't expected. And we were well into year two or year three. And there was um, mumblings of rumors of and some direct innuation of some challenges amongst some of my key people. And, um, and, and the informal um, fingers were pointing to a really star performer. And uh, my bias was that uh, their productivity, their ability to make things happen was going to need to eclipse some of the uh, flaws that came along with this. And, and then as the flaws started to show up in terms of sabotage, perhaps informal bullying, and real challenges amongst the team, uh, it was only then and probably a while after that, which I had to, to address that and, and, uh, and, <laughs> and make some changes to the staff complement as a result of it. And so my, in this case, my bias towards uh, getting things done and really uh, achieving uh, probably uh, set back the culture of the organization a bit and perhaps even uh, left some wounds in individuals as a result of some of the uh, not so good behavior. So uh, there's, there's an example of how biases can, uh, can impact on a, in a, in a not so good story that I lived through. And I hope others did too, but. Yeah. And to that point, Dave, uh, one of the things Colin and I uh, were discussing is people tend to think that leaders have to be perfect. And a lot of people are afraid of making the mistakes. How, I mean, obviously time heals most wounds, um, but it's, more of your resilience and your resolve to be a better leader that I'm hearing has made you move away from that, recognize your mistake. How would you uh, address those that think they have to be the perfect leader? And when they make a mistake, it totally collapsed their leadership. Hmm. I'd say, how's it, how's it going for you now? Um, <laughs> the last year, um, they, we've seen perhaps as much change as we're going to see in, in a decade in the last year. And there's much more ahead of us. And, and I'm talking about pandemic and all of the things that have happened in terms of business structural changes, supply changes, uh, supply line changes. Uh, retail has changed its, its uh, world entirely. And many people are working remotely. There's, there's 3.4 million people working remotely. Not everybody's got it right all the time. <laughs> and and uh, as that happens, uh, leadership styles need to change. Uh, in the past where we may have been able to be a little more involved in what's going on and maybe a little more directive to people because we can uh, follow what we expect with inspection, we can't do that anymore. And styles need to, to change. And uh, so, so people will have made mistakes, many, many of them. And I would hope that we can't gloss them over uh, in nature of pivoting, <laughs> but acknowledging that, yeah, well, we did make some mistakes and we need to learn from that. So I, 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 people watch you um, and your values show as a leader. They show, uh, they show through your behaviors and, and my goodness, they need to be thoughtful. They need to be uh, 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 a number of them that's manageable and they really get to your heart. And if people don't see those values, they're going to let you know. But certainly um, one of the values has got to be prepared to deal with some level of humility and be able to say when I've made a mistake and when, I've, when I need to fess up. And if that isn't there for you as a leader, um, there might be another door that you need to, uh, to exit right now. <laughs> I'm, I'm laughing because uh, just a couple of weeks ago, we had uh, Senator Wallen um, in a, 
uh, in a, a virtual conference. And that was one of the very things that she, she quoted Izzy Asper. And I uh, said, if, uh, if it's first, you don't succeed. Welcome to the club. Uh, the mistakes are going to be made. <laughs> and, um, you know, and the, and the very next thing that she said after that was, um, you know, for a boss, um, it comes a time where it's like, Hey, I'm sorry. I was wrong. You were right. <laughs> and, you know, those, those very words, uh, you know, those, those can be really challenging for, for us, but are, are necessary. And, um, in the, in the time that we're in, and you talking about with the pandemic and so much change over such a short period of time, our, our styles, our structures, our, like our leadership styles, our, our, our structures, our, the skill sets required, all of those, you know, shared values, all of those things end up having to be reassessed and move around. And I imagine for, you know, for, for most leaders and I, I'm, I experienced this myself and just what we had as, as, as perhaps a paradigm of how our business would be run is suddenly completely shaken apart. And uh, it's not just adaptability. It's literally breaking the pieces and re rebuilding this in a, in a very short period of time. And um, uh, some of the, 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 the stressors, I, I imagine the biases that perhaps we've, we've, we've built in in terms of what our paradigms and thoughts and how we would run our co company uh, there's a lot to falter on and have you seen, uh, even through your experiences working with other leaders right now, um, inadvertent harm being, being done because we're still trying to force things to operate the way that we're most comfortable with. Yeah, I, 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 I think I have, um, and, and I say inadvertent, um, subconscious is another word for that or innate, and much of us is innate um, when we start to look into psychology and neuro neuroscientists uh, and, and, and their research work, we, we, we come fairly quickly to the understanding uh, if we buy that, that much of what we do is, is innate. It, we, it's behavior we do before we think. And uh, much of that comes from our genetics and our early childhood formation. And when I continually hear much of who, much of our preferences in life are hardwired by the time we're five or six around communication, conflict, uh, types of activities, fears, <laughs> a lot of those things are, are inside of us. And we, we really need to know what that is. Um, and, and because it does influence our behaviors. Now, uh, one, one, one of one of the behaviors that usually manifests in people is is is, is behaviors that are aligned for with our values. We'll have a mission and vision um, and and values, presumably as as a person. Certainly, organizations do, but individuals uh, far too few people have them. Now, you may have the experience, as I have, working strategically with organizations where there'll be a list of values that are like a glossary, uh, the best of the best, that is on their balance scorecard or on their, their statement. But literally, they have a hard time following all those values, and they probably couldn't talk about them. As individuals, I've coached probably 300 uh, leaders in long-term contracts, and I can uh, count on a few hands the number of people that I would say came loaded with an understanding of their personal values. If someone was coming to an interview, they would probably know the values by memory of the organization and be able to recite them and flatter people with them. Uh, however, what are our own values? Taking the time to know what they are because our values, our mission influence, our thinking influence our emotions influence our behaviors. And we have to be very, very much aware of that. Having said all that, um, so things happen <laughs> uh, innately and, and uh, the intention may not be to, to, to uh, cause damage or, or, or hurt, but it, but, it, but it does happen. It does happen, yeah. Yeah, and <clears throat> you, just to follow up on something, one 300 you know, coaching opportunities, obviously quite impressive, like I said earlier, and you've come across so many different personalities, so many different uh, cultures and value systems. Is there one value that you see 
in all 300 of the people that you've mentored that you would say is translatable to all leaders or a few values that you've seen in all of them that should be translatable to all leaders? I'd say, I'd say a, a couple um, that's needed. Certainly if, if, if people are, are potentially able to lead outside themselves, but in lead in groups, they, they really do need to have some momentum. They need to, to be wanting to do something. They need to want to change something to grow themselves or grow other people or, or grow balance sheets or market shares. There needs to be something. Uh, I, I've always said it's much harder to slow someone down than it is to try to give them a push to get them rolling. And I suspect uh, both of you have experience with that. Maybe having been slowed down or pushed at some point, I've, I, I've had both. Um, that, that's really, really important. Those that successfully lead, I, I would say, have, have one value in common. And this can help get through all of the innate uh, communication or behaviors. Those people, um, and, and I have to say, I, ha- I don't believe I've worked with any psychopaths or sociopaths who do not care about other people. Um, I have worked with, with very human people that have a strong professional affection for other people. They care. Uh, they, may, they may love other people um, in, in a degree of love that fits personally, professionally. They love, their, they love their teams. They love their people. And they want to um, work with them. And their presence shows that intent. If people aren't interested in other people, don't care, um, their leadership is not likely to be uh, successful in my view. Wow. I, I mean, just, just processing this is, um, I mean, it's got me kind of looking at a few different things and, and um, David, I don't remember, did you work a little bit with McKinsey? I've in the last year or so, uh, I've been invited into a number of their senior consultant uh, uh, webinars and I have not worked with them specifically, but I've been involved with some of their social psychologists and, and, and leaders uh, from, from parts of the globe and hearing their research and their findings about what's been going on with, with the pandemic and structural changes, uh, system changes and that sort of thing. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Cause you just, you know, just tell from the depth of uh, uh, just, just the depth of your, of your comments. Uh, it's been something, something else. And, you know, I, I wonder if, if we could uh, maybe just pivot a little bit into maybe other kinds of biases. And, and I, uh, you know, you, you and I have had an opportunity to work together and you've and, and, and had an opportunity to work with, uh, with a couple of different boards, actually. Um, and, you know, some of the, the biases that, um, that we've sometimes seen in, in, in workplaces or in teams, uh, you know, at, we've got a much more diverse workplace um in in canada what we've maybe seen for uh, a long time at least certainly in the in the midwest in the mid prairies uh, um region probably more so than we've than we ever have and uh, just just with the growth of our population and just our international contacts and you know from from people from um just you know from from across genders and really from people from around the world and they've got to work in teams Mm-hmm. And we've got uh, people who are sitting right here at home, uh, wherever home is for you, and uh, they're working with somebody on the other side of the globe. And sometimes the, the, the challenges of biases, um, misunderstandings, maybe lack of even just understanding where they're coming from, um, can, can lead into some significant problems for leaders. And wondering if you've got any experience or thoughts that, that you could share uh uh, you know, just 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 around that. Yeah. Well, thank you. That's a that's a that's an awesome question, uh, and an important area to point to. Uh, yes, Canada is, is is very different in 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 the last number of decades. We've been very fortunate to be able to welcome the world here, and 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 it's changing everywhere. Uh, work teams, uh, communities, uh, just everywhere, and and and, it, and it's wonderful. And uh, that the diversity that that brings to Canada is 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 in many ways diversity in beliefs, assumptions, uh, attitudes, um, faith distinctions, learning styles, thinking styles. 
and and yes, um, country of origin, and 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 so so many differences that that are available to us now, and and very usual and and really terrific. Um, I've noticed this uh, evolve over time, uh, working for better part of four decades, uh, mostly on the prairies, although on many international projects, national stuff. Uh, but but th- things have changed, and and it's never been so clear to me uh, as it has been the last decade or so working with teams and how they've changed and how they've evolved and how some of the uniqueness has led to frustration. And the frustration is born really out of just not knowing each other very well and where people are coming from. Uh, I I was uh, working with a team that had, um, well, people from South, uh, Southeast Asia, the Middle East, um, Central Europe, um, uh, all over North America, just a, a really, really interesting, diverse team, uh, gender, race, everything. And uh, they weren't getting along very well. <laughs> and it was really interesting to see this kind of uh, happening. And as, as coach to the team, uh, I'm watching things going on and have some ideas and I don't know what happened, but just in time or whatever it is, I attended a leadership conference and uh, there was a presentation in there uh, in it from the Inseed Institute and the presenter, Erin Myers, uh, works, her specialty is working with teams from around the world and helping them understand each other. And her research uh, that she shared and which I was the benefactor of later on talked about the countries in the world and how there's uniqueness in how people communicate. And it's based upon their country and their culture differences, um, differences in a way we evaluate things, look at things different in the way we persuade each other difference in the way we lead in terms of numbers of layers and structure. Uh, there's so many different deciding and fighting <laughs> and um, she offered insights into what different countries are like. And as we started to unpack that, we realized what, uh, what the behaviors were all about and they were all awesome. We just needed to understand them so that the team could really get together and make decisions. And sometimes that meant the boss had to leave the room to let the people work <laughs> and get things done and not be too involved. So, so, so that, you know, that particular uh, conference experience, I, I wonder if it relates to this. I mean, I've, when I've, I've worked uh, at one point, I worked with a company that had uh, a global presence and it became very obvious that uh, particularly uh, folks who worked in um, uh, Germany and, and that part of the world, the way they communicate was much, it was very literal. And, um, and then I've worked with, from uh, folks from an Asian nation and things were very contextual. Like if I were to have a conversation, I kind of had to read the aura without actually hearing the words, right. Mm -hmm. That you could, you, it was much more subtle and the nuances were different. And I went to another part and I would literally be told every step, very procedural step of how something would be done. And, you know, I could see where the conflict could happen where, well, one person didn't seem like they said anything. Well, they thought, well, the words didn't need to be said. Here's the, here's the aura of the room. And you could kind of get a sense of what, uh, what you needed to do based on what, what you were feeling in the room. Other person it was very literal and, uh, and, and you could see where the conflicts would rise when they had to work together on a project. And one was telling the other one too much in terms of the directions. The other one wasn't saying enough. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, and and that's actually one of the areas that um, Aaron's text and work uh, outlined in uh, the culture map explores and talks about communication as some, uh, some countries are very low context and in, in that they, they tell you what they're going to tell you, they tell you, and then they tell you again. <laughs> and <in laughs> other countries, they will, you have to read, read the air. Um, it depends on who you get to meet with, the time of day, how long you get to meet, maybe what was said, what wasn't said, and you have to step back and figure it out. And then there are organizations, there are countries, there are countries that you run into confrontation. Everything you do, 
is confronted and others avoid. Um, Israel, uh, France, Germany, lots of confront confrontation. On the other end of the spectrum, Japan and, and, China and, and some of the Asian countries, there's not a lot of confrontation. Um, if you are working with people from Central Europe, parts of the Middle East, and they are confronting you, it's a good thing. They value you. They are giving you time. Uh, they're not trying to uh, <laughs> not trying to pester you. They, they really care. And so when we understand these other behaviors through the biases we might have through our own cultures, it, it becomes much easier and, and it becomes a good thing. <laughs> we get to welcome all these skills and ideas and genius into our environment. Is that uh, when we, I think diversity is one of those words that we use in this context and it's so uh, often underdefined because I can get a group of people exact same phenotype in a room, but it's a diverse room. And it's not just diversity in terms of cultural background, but diversity in thinking um, that we have to be very conscientious of with respect to that company and the issues that they had in communication, which we always tend to think problems revert back to communication. Is that a leadership fail that we don't spend enough time studying our people and understanding our people? Is it we're putting a team together to fit the culture or are we allowing the culture to adapt around the team members that we have? Well, I, I think we are given innate behaviors. Uh, some are focused on outcomes. Some are focused on people. And those that are focused on outcomes are focused on means uh, and, well, maybe focused on ends predominantly. And those that are focused on people are focused on the means, which is often the collaboration, the relationship, the uh, potential to, to produce. And we really, we, we, we need to remember both. I, I, I would say that from a leadership perspective, we, uh, we, we need to know a lot about ourselves so that we can appreciate understanding other people and know what we can do to help them and know what to expect from them. And, I, a lot of a lot of the the people that I work with uh, right now, they are people that are uh, professionals uh, in certain fields: legal, accounting, engineering, uh, trades areas. And all of a sudden, they're running a team. You know, <laughs> they they either it was their turn, somebody had to go up, or they or they, it was or they wanted to do it, and all they're leading a team, and then maybe they might be owning a company next. Um, They've never been they've never been introduced to how to lead other people. They've probably been pretty good at mastering themselves and their own technical skills and enough relational skills to work with clients and, and others. But now it's to a whole different ball game. And I don't believe organizations invest enough in that. There may not be the awareness that leaders have of themselves that others need need some support. They they, they probably just don't know or they're focused on the outcomes. And when you do look at the fiscal responsibilities of boards and people, um, they certainly are to have a bottom line. And I tell you, <laughs> uh, it, it, it does take some time and some resources to, to train people. But the age-old adage, the age-old story, if the CFO says, well, what if we train people and they leave? The wise CEO, and presumably Colin would say this, um, what if we don't train them and they stay? What do we do? <laughs> so, so I, I guess a blend of all uh, would, of all of those cadres. I think, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, Dave, <laughs> I I got to laugh at cadres because uh, uh, I mean, you, I'm sure you've coached some teams that that, that that's happened, man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, probably way too many of them. <laughs> that's why. That's why I'm not coaching right now. <laughs> too many of those that you don't train them and they stay, <laughs> and you're hoping that they leave. Fucking <laughs> free agency, right? Yeah. <laughs> I know. Good luck. Be so, or try to trade them to someone else. Go be someone else's problem. But no, I I really appreciate that aspect of being team leader and cultural um, author as a leader and 
I, I also believe that a lot of company, it is more of a transactional relationship. There's not a lot of, of trying to understand the person, the individual, and that's the culture. And you see them in, in, in some scientific firms where it's, hey, result, individual, go home. But more often than not, in a more diverse country, more diverse workforce, do you think there should be an emphasis in training on understanding diversity, understanding cultural differences? Oh, absolutely. Um, I, I don't know businesses that are only dependent upon capital and technology to be successful. I haven't found a business that does not need human capital. It doesn't need human involvement. And, and uh, we're, we are evolving. We're different. We need to know about each other. The human capital has changed. So we need to be very aware of it and be prepared to invest in it the same way we will invest in, in a new building or uh, uh, new tech or, or new chairs, <laughs> for example, there needs there needs to be a, a proactive approach, a, a healthy appetite to invest in our people. When we talk about human capital, uh, you know, it, it, it is very different than, uh, like you said, a new chair or a new table where it's 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 a fixed asset when you buy it. Like you you know exactly what it is. It doesn't grow anymore. Yeah. Uh, a piece of equipment doesn't grow in its value in terms of what it gives. Human beings are different. Human capital has the potential to give an increasing return over time if invested in properly, cared for, and mm-hmm. um, you know I, the, the way that I've I've said it in other circles. If this makes sense to you, where the individual brings their whole self to work. And, you know, that's really the, the epitome of performance when somebody brings their whole self into, into work. And us as leaders have to find a way to help them bring their whole self. I mean, good, bad, otherwise they're, they're coming. <laughs> and so uh, when, when they're coming, they're bringing, you know, the burdens of their family. They're bringing the, their love for their children. They're bringing their, the, you know, the, the care for their neighbors. All that's part of them coming. And it adds to the potential for a successful outcome if you're if you're able to get them to bring all of it, and because like the bad stuff's coming no matter how you no matter how you cut it, <laughs> it's gonna come. So you want their full enthusiasm, their full commitment, because that's when your higher returns, both in terms of not just the product line, but in terms of your experience of working together. We spend so much time together; it's, you might as well make it worth the experience. And, uh, you know, so, so it's just a, you know, a couple of things that you said there that really kind of triggers that for me, uh, and, and reminds me that, you know, we've got to find a way to bring their whole self to work. And if we're a little bit different from one another, we need to take the time to understand one another so we can, uh, find that whole self to come along, you know, into our workplaces, into our office, into our work sites. Well, a couple of things sparked as you were speaking there, a whole self, like like being authentic, um, who we really are. And uh, it's, it's very taxing um, uh, to to have to be different wherever you are. It's hard on an individual. Um, This uh, corporate schizophrenic, uh, personal professional schizophrenic, it's just, it's hard to do that and we we need to find out who we are when we step into into organizations finding out who are who are who we are and if we are to bring our full self and potentially be engaged there 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 are significant belt benefits now I, I i can't help but shiver uh still continually when when i uh, reflect on gallup results on engagement um employee engagement and, and, and that's one thing that's evolved over the decades. We used to have uh, employee satisfaction <laughs> uh, statistics, um, straw polls, and in the recent decade or two, it's been employee engagement, um, you know, real connection to the, 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 the organization, very sincere, deep connection to the organization. And Gallup has found that if you were to look at 10 people, and they use this, this metaphor, I heard it described as this, if there were 10 people in one of those Olympic 10s rowing boats, and they were going down the river, rowing down the river, and, uh, well, uh, 
three of them would be pulling pretty hard, like, well, really hard. They'd be, they'd be rowing. Five of them would be kind of waving at the people off to the sides. And two of them would be trying to sink the boat, <laughs> flip it over. Now, now, now that's, that is, that's, that's corporate uh, America, corporate Canada, corporate the world. It also is churches. They do the same type of polling in, in, uh, in, in society. And so three out of 10 people are really engaged. Five are there. They're going to do what you tell them to do. Um, you know, mostly if, if you tell them to do it and two or two people probably shouldn't be around and Cavis, you probably had rosters like this. Uh, I don't know if those percentages would have been the same, but Hey, that's, that's, that's what it's like. People that are engaged, the three out of 10 in the average organization, they deliver 50 to 200% more than those that are not engaged. I saw a research that, that there was a, a blind study done and there was a, a group delivering 400% more uh, when they were engaged. They actually knew the employee or the, the customers they were working with and had relationship with them. They were really engaged. Now, what's, what's different between the engaged employee, the moderately engaged and the disengaged? Okay. Well, I guess we want more engaged. And what do we do with that? And uh, I've been working on a personal leadership uh, system for, for a number of years that has a lot of, of data that it's built up. And uh, the, the, the data suggests that two criteria are really important for engagement. And it is our sense of mission, our sense of values. Do we have values? Do we know what they are? Do they line up with the organization? Could we be, uh, do we use our values in our decision-making? Um, do people see us using our values in our decision-making? And if someone were to say, hey, Dave, what are your values? Could I say, these are my values, okay? These are them. Um, that's where I said earlier, you know, a few handfuls of people could really say, yeah, these are my values and thereby make decisions by it. People that do that, um, they can appreciate the values of their organization, their team or their organization. They like to be there. It's something that, that's important to them. Now, the mission side of it is just adds to this. Where's the company going? What's it all about? Is, is there something um, of an enterprise nature that attracts me, of a client nature, of an altruistic nature that attracts me and lines up with my own personal value? And when it does, people can become engaged. This is particularly important in, um, in millennial Gen Z. Um, the engagement opportunities are huge. And the interesting thing about all of this is that the stats show today in society in general, uh, institutions have not necessarily been very effective the last few decades in supporting uh, people and families uh, as individuals grow up to have a really good sense of values and a strong sense of purpose and mission and why that's important. And we see a lot of restlessness, a lot of people kind of a bit aimless and not necessarily really aware of what's going to make them happy or feel satisfied or uh, accomplished in what they are doing. We need to get to those as organizations and as leaders, we need to be very clear about our own values, what they are, be, seen, be using them continually, be seen to be using them, and then be aware that others may need some help lifting, lifting themselves up uh, to understand their values and use them routinely. Uh, that's, 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 if there's any, um, dynamite or gold or silver bullet, it is really getting back to what's important, our mission and our values and ensuring that we inculcate that uh, in, 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 well, know it ourselves and inculcate in our people. I tell you with most of the people that I work with from a coaching perspective, we do spend a lot of time on that to make sure people are really solid and aware of what that is and then take that into their teams. COVID, by the way, has been a terrific opportunity for people to rethink what their values really are. What are, what are my values? Is it the country club? Is it the this? Is it the that? Is it the this? What's really important to me? Uh, and I know I've, I've restructured my values. 
uh, in the last year. I've gotten back to more what is really essential for, for me as a dad, as a grandpa, as a business owner, um, as a spouse, um, and beyond. Wow. I, I, I've been, I've been writing things you've been saying. (laughs) And so I'm looking forward to playing this thing, this podcast back, uh, for myself. Um, what, one thing that, that you said, uh, uh, David, um, just, just, um, just in the last couple of minutes that really, um, hit me personally. And, um, and I appreciate it that, that you brought it up. Um, and if, if you wouldn't mind maybe talking a little bit more about this, where, and I, I, I might misquote you, so so please uh, please correct me if I'm wrong. But where some individuals will feel um, they don't quite belong, it could be very taxing for them if they feel like they've got to be somebody else. And um, and from my own, I can reflect a little bit from my own experiences, feeling like I'm not sure if I quite belong. Maybe some of that is uh, uh, being a, a young black child in a, in a, in a, in a, in a part of the country where there weren't a lot of people that looked like me and I wasn't really sure. And maybe struggling a little bit with my own personal identity for a few years mm-hmm. and wondering, do I have to be somebody else or am I like, and, and thankfully my, my, uh, you know, we got a great mom and my, my dad was great at this, you know, they were able to help me refocus on just identifying who Colin was, but I know there's people that are working in workplaces that you, you're not, they're not sure if they really fully belong. And uh, I wonder, would you be able to talk a little bit more about that? Well, I, I think about that uh, an awful lot. Um, the, the, the sense of people's inadequacy or a uh, sense of imposter. <laughs> uh, you know, are, are we imposters or are we, are we good enough? Are we not? Um, and, and how do, how do we, how do we give ourselves the courage that we need? How do we affirm the sell ourselves the way we need to uh, and, and, and legitimately get it from people around us or our, 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 the people we work with and, and our environments? It's, it's very important for us to get that. And it, it's a two-way street. We need to be aware of our presence. We need to be aware that we are affirming other people. Um, using assumption, perhaps, that, that people aren't already, <laughs> and be affirmative of other people, uh, uplift them, encourage them. And I know much of that happened along my, my path. Um, you know, people encouraged me and complimented me on work that I was doing. And I, I, I honestly say I don't see very much of that anymore. The compliments are, are harder to give. Um, they may not be correct socially correct or people might feel awkward about telling somebody that uh you know they're they did a great thing or they look good or, or whatever <laughs> there's challenges around that and i and, and you know we we have to uh build each other up that's important for us it's very important and i i, I think a lot of it as well um we we uh, in our family we have uh, you know, a whole range of people. Um, we have a biracial family. We have people from other other parts of the world that live with us here, and they are being enculturated into uh, a d- different communities. And and so I, I think about that a lot. How do we how do we support them? How do we give them confidence? How do we how do we love them as 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 dads, as as coaches, as as leaders? How do we do that? Yeah, I listening to you number one i think that i'm with colin i think you just given a lecture that most universities probably can take and uh, use very wisely with their students so thank you very much for sharing your time and experience uh, i want to kind of start to wrap up i know your time is valuable we're starting this let's build a prototypical leader someone that we can say there's no perfect leader we've already defined that but if we're building a prototypical leader we're going to give you the first shot at this what's the one quality you want to instill in that person one only yep (laughs) throughout our interviews and throughout this throughout this podcast we're going to give every one of our guests an opportunity to put one quality in you're you're the wizard of oz now you have a opportunity to put one quality in a leader which what quality would you put in that leader um that leader be human 
and 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 be um, interested in other humans. Uh, <laughs> love. I, I, I suppose if you're looking for a virtue, uh, you know, loving. If you want it, want a virtue. Um, uh, well, if you're looking for a virtue, I would say magnanimity. We 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 can be big. We we and we need to be. We can be big others. We we have lots of potential, and we need to be aware of that. But <laughs> I I'm not going to be able to stop at one case. I'm going to go on and on and on and on. <laughs> you tried to paint him in a corner, man. He's not going to go in there. But it's, it's going to be a team. It's going to be a team thing. <laughs> your intents, your intents are going to follow your heart. And really, really want to want to uh, to, to to be a, uh, to, to to lead well and understand that as a responsibility, it's not easy work. Uh, I, the, the leaders that I work, some of them are are, are incredibly lonely and bur- and carrying a lot of burdens. Um, it's 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 not a gift; it's it's a vocation, and you need to treat it that way. Oh, I, I love you, that term. I, I love you, man. Um, I, I've got to, I've got to know you in the last. Uh, Oh gosh, it's probably been about six, seven years, actually. It may, maybe even a little bit longer than that. And yeah. uh, I've just, I've just personally appreciated your guidance and um, and uh, just the conversations that we've had. I, I, I certainly hope we can have a few more like this. Yes, this is uh, 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 a a great um, cathartic discussion <laughs> that more people need to hear, and so. Uh, so if you're listening today, if, if people want to, wanted to uh, connect with you and Logia, uh, uh, logiaconsulting.ca, I believe is, is the website. Yeah. Uh, are they one, one word, yeah. Logia, okay. Logia Consulting. By the way, Logia is the Greek word for sayings of a leader. Snap. I, I, I even learned something today. <laughs> that, that, is, that is awesome. So uh, Dave, lo- loved having you. It's been Maybe great to be here. Closing things to say. <laughs> well, I, I, I thank you, Colin and Cavis. Uh, part of leadership is is to be able to talk about it and to to share it with other people. And I admire you for taking the initiative at this point in your careers to identify how important it is to uh, offer it up to others and share it. And 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 I, I'm grateful that I'm included on your your list of of participants, and I, I was delighted to be here and, and and speak with you both. So thank you. The wisdom quotient just doubled when you appeared on the show. Combine ourselves, and you doubled that. that. That's all we're saying. You're welcome back anytime. It's got to be. It's got to be the hair or something. There's got to be something about hair. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we're, we're we're closing. We we always laugh, so uh, that that that's just part of what uh, you got to laugh when you're a leader, and um, and because uh, you're gonna cry otherwise, I suppose. But uh, you know what? I again really appreciate it, uh, folks. We will uh, we look forward to our our next session, uh, bald leadership, and um, we will talk to you again. Thank you. Thank you, Dave, so much. Thank you. Thank you.